right, welcome to the 100th episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to be joined by an eclectic group of people. We have an all-star lineup. Let's just be honest here. We have the great James Pledger joining us. We also are going to be joined by RJ Marquez and our good friend here, Jeff Garcia, uh, the host of the Locked on Spurs podcast and the lead Spurs writer for News for San Antonio. And we're also going to be joined by our, our usual suspects, Benjamin Bornstein of Project Spurs, Wesley Perkins, who's a co-host here with us on Two Shots and the new addition to Two Shots, the one and only Chelsea Torres. So Chelsea, how's it going? It's going great. How are you guys doing? Doing good. How's the weather over in Corpus? Hot. Sun- <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Pledger just finished. Like the past month, so it's really? Finally out. Yes. Yeah, Pledger just finished his workout, so he's letting us, you know, see the guns. <laughs> he's uh, showing show the- off the results, baby. There you go. There you go. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive in here and we're going to go ahead and start talking a little bit about some, I want to start off talking about some Spurs nostalgia because I think Jeff is the one that I saw put it up first. Jeff, you had put a tweet out and your tweet was uh, showing uh, clips. You had a, a a link to the clips from David Robinson's 71 point game. We're on the anniversary, yes, you know, of David Robinson's yes, 71 sir. point game. And the thing, Jeff, and I remember yes. this visit vividly. I, I want to see if you remember. Mm-hmm. Remember, this game was not televised. I think we only had radio only. The only foot. Go ahead. No, no, you're absolutely right. It was uh, radio only. And I actually remember uh, listening to it at my grandmother's on her old timey radio when it happened. And uh, it was such a great night for uh, Spurs fans. And, uh, you know, it's a shame that it was not televised, although it is archived, I believe, um, some of the game has been released, but all in all, it was just showing just how great Robinson was and he, just how unappreciated he was when he played, even at his peak uh, days. You fast forward to today and you got a guy like Kevin Durant who also tweeted it as well, uh, just giving his respect uh, to uh, big number 5-0 on a great day in Spurs history. And uh, yeah, you know, salute to the Admiral. Yeah, and the only video footage that we have are the clips from that game were courtesy of News for San Antonio. They believe they were the yeah. only film crew or news crew, yeah. should I say, there from San Antonio. So that's the only reason that Eclipse that, yeah. exists of the game. That, that was so long ago. That's when they had downtown. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's been a minute. And I'm glad that uh, younger Spurs fans, you know, can see exactly uh, what we got to see, you know, live and in person and to see Robinson just do his thing. Um, it was such a great thing to watch every single night he's such a freak athlete you know knock down that mid-range shot give him the uh, lane he took it you know finish with power had his moments with the refs too yeah we were, admiral wasn't always an officer and a gentleman at times but all in all you know what can you say glad to say that he played in the silver black for his entire career yeah I'll, and what did you all think let's start with you rj i mean what did you think of uh, david robinson's 71 point performance yeah, so I was going to jump in, but refresh my memory. If uh, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it between David Robinson and Shaq? Yeah. And Shaq had basically dropped like 50 or something in his game. And the Spurs kind of knew uh, what David needed to get in order to win the scoring title. So I thought that was kind of an interesting wrinkle um, to this. But I think, I mean, obviously, David Robinson is one of the most well-respected 
um, you know, most well-liked guys in NBA history. But as far as what he did, his accomplishments, not only the fact that he, um, you know, came out of Navy, he ended up doing, you know, his military service and then went to the Spurs. I thought, I mean, I don't know how many people realize that he did that and how rare that would be nowadays to do Mm -hmm. something like that, or even to just be the number one pick out of Navy for one, not to be one of these like main, uh, you know, college programs. So um, David Robinson, absolutely one of the greatest. Uh, I, I'm not from San Antonio. I wasn't born and raised here, but um, you know, we used to watch Spurs games all the time. I live, I'm from uh, West Texas. So uh, the Spurs were always kind of in our conscious, in our mind and stuff. So um So definitely one of those guys that I was really glad to see go out with a championship, two titles, um, and, you know, just a beloved guy. I still remember being at the uh, 2014, uh, the NBA Finals Game 5, and David was in the crowd, and one of the loudest cheers in the entire arena was when they put David Robinson, like, on the screen, and it was just, it was an amazing moment because people just love him. He's such a great guy, and uh, I'm happy that he has that scoring title on top of all the other accolades that uh, came along with his career. No, oh, most well, here's the thing, you know, it's, it's twice in Spurs history now where they had um, um, a player vie for the uh, scoring title. Not only was it David versus Shaq, it was Gervin versus Thompson back in the day. So that's twice that uh, in Spurs history where it came down to the final game or games uh, where a, um, an icon that wore the silver and black had to uh, ball out to get that scoring title. But you got to wonder if, you fast forward today, would Pop let David play all those minutes to get those that scoring number, or he'd be, you know, David, you don't need it. You're you're fine. You know, sit down. What are records? We we you like know, the team was, we uh, have, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, John Lucas was the coach, I believe. Maybe? Yeah, or uh, who was the coach of that of that? Uh, I, don't I think remember. it was John Lucas. But it was John Lucas. Yeah. So uh, my God, am I dating myself? But. Um, <laughs> All in all, you know, it was such a great night. And um, there's only one person that could ever match Robinson's physique, and that's James Pledger. He's the only man that can just match that physique. Wow. (laughs) I've never been uh, confused with a seven foot two athletic specimen of a man before. So. So, Pledger, on that note, you know, what do you remember about this 71 point uh, game out of David Robinson? I mean, I just remember how freakily athletic David Robinson was in his prime. Like, we remember him late in his career, and he still had the guns, and he still looked like he was chiseled out of granite. But, like, young David Robinson was – like, he he is what people think about with today's NBA bigs in the terms of their bounciness, they're able to switch, they're able to guard multiple positions because they have the foot speed to be able to keep up with smaller guys and defend them. And he was just an incredible, incredible athlete in general, much less a basketball player. And I think his skill set probably could have transitioned to today's game. I have no doubt that he could have developed an outside shot and stretched his game there are a couple of bigs from that era of bigs that I think could have thrived in today. And both of them happened to have played in the state of Texas with David Robinson and Akeem Olajuwon as really the only bigs from that era that I could see transferring into today's type of NBA just because of the way that they played. And his 71, while great, I still think is probably one of his second greatest accomplishments. I think that quadruple double was 
insane and something I'm not sure we'll see again anytime soon, at least. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not with you on that one. Turnovers. The dubious quadruple double. Oh, man. So let's go ahead and get uh, Chelsea's take here. Chelsea, what do you remember from the 71 point performance? I'm probably. Okay, well, did you see it live or did you just see know. the highlights? <laughs> the fact that you even asked if I saw that live is funny. No. Um, but what I do know, and I'll just say as a fan, uh, of course, you know, growing up in San Antonio, being a fan of the Spurs, David Robinson, um, all of that. I think it's just cool to know that San Antonio has been able to create this legacy for so long, for for so many years. And that's kind of what people, I think, that are not from here, not even from Texas, or maybe not even pay attention to the Spurs, kind of look back on are those kinds of players like David Robinson and the Iceman. And that's so cool to see because that's that's how we grew up, you know, and that's kind of what we expected and then moving on to the big three and of course, to what we have now. But um, I think as a fan, it's just cool to remember this is where the Spurs came from. Yeah, exactly. So let's go ahead and go with you, Ben. What do you remember from this 71-point performance? Well, I was two, so I remember nothing. You saw the highlights. (laughs) I am am a student of YouTube games. So um, I've been able to piece together clips of that game, which were phenomenal. And for for context, I just I just want to name some of the guys who are on that team, just so you have an idea of what David who David Robinson was working with. All right, Willie ah. Anderson, Antoine Carr, Terry Cummings, Lloyd Daniels, Vinny Del Negro, Dale Ellis, Sleepy Floyd, Jack Haley, Chuck Nevitt, J.R. Reed, Dennis Rodman, Chris Whitney. All right, I don't think there are like maybe two names on that list people recognize. All right. And I think in that game, David Robinson was the only guy to score in double figures. So, I mean, this game was incredible. It was unbelievable. And I'll never forget, I actually ended up getting a David Robinson T-shirt, and it had the little NBA draft on the side of it. It actually had the wrong draft. It said the nine, the 89 draft, which was the first year he played. He was drafted in 87. And I always like to point that out to people because I – you know, obviously he took two years and he didn't play and he, he gave his service to the country. And so, uh, you know, it's like, ah, the NBA screwed up. Look, another one. So <laughs> that's actually my favorite part of, of David, one of my favorite parts of David Robinson's career outside of what he actually did on the court. Yeah. What about you, Wes? What's your uh, memory that you have of that 71 point game? Well, I like how Chelsea inadvertently called us all old for a second. This, <laughs> I know. You know no, how how rude, Chelsea. <laughs> No, kind of like Jeff and, and Joe, you guys were talking about this, listening to it live. Um, this was an interesting point in my history. I was just a kid, you know, growing up, but um, I did not have TV for about 10 years of my life. And um, so even if it had been on TV, I wouldn't have heard it. I, I listened to everything exclusively on the radio. And so that's where my love of radio and the love of analytics and things that you hear from from all the shows and podcasts come from um, is just that time frame. And I, I, I listened to that game. I remember vividly. Uh, I was at a Chevron station, you know, in Hondo, Texas, when when that 71st point went in. I can remember that as as clear as day. And uh, I just remember being so, so excited because, you know, all of my time growing up in in, in around the, the area, there had been talk about the Spurs moving on. And, you know, maybe they were going to stay. Maybe they weren't. You know, there's buyers, there's blah, 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 blah. And 
we'll never fully understand how important David Robinson is to this franchise um, because of the fact that media wasn't available back then like it is today. In, in the today's world, if David Robinson plays, he's going to be mentioned up there with Anthony Davis. He's going to be mentioned up there with, with even even the greats like LeBron and Kawhi and uh, so on and so forth. He was at a time when there was so much parity in the NBA, um, pretty much the golden age, where every team had one or two superstar players. And, you know, that, that time frame, can you imagine if any of those, kind of to what Pledger was saying a minute ago, can you imagine if any of those players had been able to have the kind of exposure that we have nowadays? Um, that 71-point game is something that, you know, again, I'll never forget it, but, you know, it had bigger ramifications um, because, again, David um, saved and helped to save this franchise and kept kept it afloat, um, you know, with, with those kind of uh, performances and that kind of excitement that he generated. Yeah. So with that said, you know, we just like to Don't say— Don't discount TC. Yeah. TC was a bad man in San Antonio. <laughs> he was a bad man. You got, you do, you kids do not remember how much of— um enforcer let's put it that way tc was he would come out black and bruised bloodied eyed um a lot of the players back in the day uh called tc old man strength <laughs> he was just a rock and uh you're the talking spurs about were terry so, cummings the spurs were at that time the spurs were so desperate to light a fire under david i think that's the best way to say it you know that's why they brought in a guy like rob uh, rodman and, and tc yeah but they had traded away some of their uh, better players to get tc out of milwaukee I just see you disrespecting a, Jack Haley's name there, Jeff. Hey, you know, he was the babysitter. Let's just let's, let's all be honest. He was Rodman, the babysitter, yeah. Rodman. Yeah. But uh, no, TC was a bad man, Ben. It's, it's a shame you never get to saw him, see him play. I, uh, I, I only got to see him as old, old man Terry Cummings. Oh, <laughs> yeah, his first had TC in his, in, right around his peak. I think he was still, you know, a legit player. You know, he was, he, he was just. He was just a bad man. It's, 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 and he could shame. play the keyboard, um, the too. The got Terry Cummings the same way they got Michael Finley on the backside of their careers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The latter part of the Ant- career. Antoine Carr, guys, the big dog. He was the guy that the was dog. much Oh, the big dog. Well. Yeah. The big dog, man. That was one of my favorites. Don't forget Frank Burkowski, man. He could throw down with the best of them, man. <laughs> I was there at the Hemisphere Arena. Oh, my God, I'm old. Uh, when yeah. um, – he when when um, Frank Burkowski and John Sally got in a brawl. Oh yeah, and um, uh, there's an infamous photo how it how it ended with John Sally choking out Frank Burkowski <laughs> as they're flying out of bounds. <laughs> that was when you could still do that kind of stuff in the NBA. Nowadays, yeah, that, that's that was for, that was just a foul. Yeah. Nowadays, hey, you get tossed. Oh, out. you you choked a guy out. Ask come. It was but a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can't be doing that stuff nowadays, but let's go ahead and uh, kind of move on here and let's talk about the San Antonio Spurs. And tonight they have a critical matchup. They have a a game against the New Orleans Pelicans. And really, if the Spurs win, you know, they can go ahead and basically eliminate the Pelicans from playoff contention. They could actually clinch their 10th spot in the West, which, eh, you know, they still have to win a couple games in, in order to get into the playoffs. But and, you know, it is what it is at this point. Any little win helps the San Antonio Spurs. So we're going to go ahead and start with you, Pledger, because I love how Pledger just can stir the pot. And I'm trying to spin it as a positive thing. But I know Pledger's just going to go Pledger over here and just uh, stir the pot. You're kidding me. He's going like to throw does. a bomb right now. So no, I want to hear what you Let me tell you this. Every every time Pledger comes on lockdown Spurs, this is his his text to me. <laughs> I can't wait. Straight Joker laughed. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I thought my jokes were bad. Oh my god. <laughs> so so James, 
just go ahead and lay us on you, man. Uh, what do you think? Tonight, you think the Spurs are going to be able to eliminate the Pelicans from playoff contention, or are they going to go ahead and just keep things interesting? I don't know about eliminate. I expect this. Uh, the, the toughest thing about this is just the fact that they don't have any way to match up against Zion. Like Zion is a point forward in the way that um, Magic Johnson was. He he controls the pace. He brings the ball up the floor. He initiates the offense. And they get switches on high screen and rolls with them, and he, he just takes advantage. And I don't know how you stop him unless you go the old Kobe Bryant route of – we're going to let you get yours, but nothing else for anyone else. And I'm wondering if that's the philosophy that Pop uses tonight to at least try and slow the Pelicans down or, you know, keep other people from getting hot, which would eviscerate them. But, I mean, it's it's the Spurs are on the road, so there's a chance they can knock them out. But at the same time, this is still a 500 team. And from one game to the next – we're not sure exactly what to expect out of them because they could come out and this team in a way, and I'm shocked that we haven't heard it from pop this year. Cause it's usually one of his go-to moves, especially earlier in the season is to call his team soft, right? Yeah. As a way to kind of stir the pot uh, and get them to focus in. But this season, we haven't heard that from him this year. Mm. But this may be one of the softest teams I think he's had in recent memory because if one thing is not going right for the Spurs, the whole thing seems to kind of unravel. Like this feels like a finely tuned machine. When everything's working, they look fantastic and they can play with anyone. If Jakob gets into foul trouble, the whole thing seems to unravel. If the threes aren't falling, the whole thing seems to unravel. If the Heat go into a zone and they can't hit shots in the mid-range or get people open looks, the whole thing seems to unravel. So this team is legitimately – they need everything to be right. And when everything's right, they look really, really good. When one thing's wrong, this team can lose to anybody as well. Yeah. So, Chelsea, let's go ahead and pitch to you real quick. Spurs tonight, how are you feeling? You think they're going to wind up beating the Pelicans and, you know, clinching that 10th spot? And at this point, do you really even care? You know, because like James said, they're they're a 500 ball club, you know, yeah. so I don't know if I trust them going on the road to try to, you know, get a win and, and play in, you know, and get that eighth spot because they'd have to win twice on the road. I mean, how are you feeling? Okay, so I do care, Joe. Um, <laughs> but I have to say, I mean, looking, okay, statistically looking at both teams, I mean, it's almost evenly matched up for tonight, right? But I feel like James is right, you know, going against someone like Zion. And then, of course, you have Steven Adams, you have Lonzo Ball. And um, if Lonzo is playing, I'm not sure. And even then, with who we have playing tonight, is everybody healthy? I think it's just, it's obviously a must win. Uh, moving forward but 
I just don't know if the Spurs necessarily have that star power to win against a team like the Pelicans. Then again, the Pelicans haven't necessarily been winning some um, must-wins that they should have been, right? They did have just a huge game against Magic. Then again, Spurs just had a big game against Pistons. So I honestly almost see it going either way because I don't think both teams are necessarily playing to their full potential. Um I would obviously like the Spurs to win. And I think they have a good chance given everything is in place the way that it should. Yeah. You know, let's go ahead and get your uh, take on this thing. RJ, well, how are you feeling? What does your gut tell you? We're going to go ahead and clinch that 10th spot or are we going to keep things interesting? Uh, yeah. Gut, gut does not feel good about this <laughs> right now. And I, I think it's because you you brought up a good point. I mean, basically that I, I believe I think if the Spurs win this game, then they would have probably enough um, enough space between them and New Orleans to really I mean, they would have to blow it completely in order to not fall out of this uh, this whole play in round. Um, I just think that the Pelicans have to play as the more desperate team. And I think right now that we're looking at the Spurs, they these are must wins. I think we all know that. But New Orleans is really kind of in a in a desperate sort of situation right now. And um, and the other thing and and James brought this up earlier is that I, I just don't know what the Spurs identity is. And, you know, as we were talking about, as James mentioned that, you know, it, it seems like when when they hit a wall, I mean, they really hit that wall um, that Miami Heat game. They were playing well in the first half. I don't really think about the Pistons game because that that was a weird game. Everyone was kind of sitting. Detroit's not very good. But um, when they played Miami, you know, playing well first half and first three quarters hanging in there with the heat. And then they just kind of fell apart. And it wasn't even the fact that that they weren't competing. It's just that they really didn't know what to do when Miami sort of threw that zone at him. So I I think about the identity of this team and they've been good on the road, which has been surprisingly, I mean, just shockingly bad at home. And I'm trying to figure this out. And that's what I'm saying. They kind of keep me sort of on edge because while I wouldn't expect them to win a game like tonight's game, because I think New Orleans is is more desperate at this point. Um, I guess I wouldn't be completely surprised if they did win this game. I don't know. It's a it's a very strange season and a very strange, strange uh, Spurs team, to say the least. Yeah. You want to know their identity? <laughs> they are a slashing mid-range team. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, th- and I feel like okay, and that is the identity. But but then you have Derek White trying to shoot. They want him to be a volume three point shooter, and they want they know that they need that part of the game in order to uh, in order but to compete with these other teams that are shooting. That's the problem. They definitely don't, and they're trying to force it. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to force it. Yeah, and then we're not. You we're just, not just, just to listen to what uh, Lamarcus Aldridge said uh, when uh, he left the game in his statement. He said, "Thank you, Nets, for letting me be me." Versus the Spurs trying to turn him into a three-point shooter. So that sums up how desperate the Spurs are looking for anybody yeah. to knock down the outside shot. Yeah, the Spurs are awful for trying to make you uh, fit into a game and prolong your career. <laughs> There you go. Hey, Ben. So, Ben, give us your take, man. How you feeling? You you feel good about this game tonight or you think that the Pelicans are just going to absolutely blast the San Antonio Spurs? For what it's worth, I haven't felt great about a Spurs game in a long time. True that. Um, although that's not entirely true because I always feel great when they play Orlando. Having grown up in Orlando, I know very much that that team will give away games when possible. So that is what I feel good about. But um, 
they're yeah they're they're a low volume three point shooting team. They're not a great three point shooting team, and that's scary to me. But I think you can also make the Pelicans that, and you can make this a big a bit of a slugfest. And I think it's like James mentioned, you know, you Zion is your X factor. I think you can either I think you have one of two options with him. You either kind of let him go off and take shots away from other people, or you say we're going to pack the paint and we're going to dare to shoot from outside. Good luck. See what happens. I think those are kind of your two options. And, you know, if you execute them well, then great. You probably win the game. But you have to find ways to keep Zion either limited or everyone else not participating on offense. Yeah. So, Wes, go ahead and give us your take, man. You think they're going to win tonight or the Pelicans are going to be victorious? Well, first of all, I have to say I'm I'm disappointed in James because he's wrong. They do something very, very well. They give up three-pointers all the time. Opponents <laughs> three-pointers. So they, their idea is they definitely give up three-pointers, let's be honest. Uh, so I, I, I do think that they're going to win tonight because I, I think, you know, it's on the road. If it's at home, they lose, uh, let's be honest. Uh, for whatever weird reason that is, I, I think that that's a, a thing. You know, they play even even good against the, the very strong teams outside of Philly and some, some of the teams out there on the, on the East Coast that blasted them a little bit. But – um, I, you know, I, I do think that this is going to be one of those situations where you're going to get a better effort out of this team. Um, I think that, you know, I know it's in the discussion points. I'm not going to get too far into it, but the the rotations are baffling at times, you know, in particular when, you know, some of the things start dominoing and you're playing your older legs that don't look like they have much juice in them and you got younger legs over there. And, um, you know, I, I just – I don't know. I, I think that they are probably not headed towards the playoffs this year. And that's another discussion point later. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be disappointed if they, they clinch the 10th seed. They have a play-in opportunity. That would be awesome. Um, but give me the lottery. Give me one of the great bigs that's in this coming lottery. And uh, you'll have a happy Spurs fan right here. Why? So he can't play for three years? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> wants all this young talent. But we, we know from experience that even if we get it, they're not going to see the floor anytime soon. Yeah, they're going to be delegated to the G League, you know, and it is what it is on that end. You know, the Spurs like sending, uh, you know, their players over there to kind of develop and they bring them in slowly, uh, regardless of what Spurs fans feel about them. You know, Spurs fans have been clamoring, you know, to go ahead and get Devin Vassil more minutes, Lucas Samanich more minutes. I, I believe you call him Lucas Samanich now, right? Uh, Pledger, is he still sandwich? I mean, he he's... He's like a sandwich. <laughs> I mean, he, he's he's a step up. <laughs> yeah. And Jeff, what does your gut tell you, man? Are you, you thinking that the Spurs are going to win tonight or are they going to keep things interesting and let the Pelicans uh, just go ahead and blast them? Well, let's take a look at some numbers and historically what the Spurs have been doing this year versus uh, the Pelicans. Each game has only been decided by three points this year. 95, uh, 98 Spurs, um, and then uh, you got 117, 114. So that tells you exactly how competitive these two teams are. Now, you mentioned Zion. You know, they threw Keldon Johnson at him uh, earlier this season. Remember when Keldon went through murderous row trying to defend? Um, it was like Keldon. I'm sorry, it was uh, Zion and then LeBron, and it was just one after another, another. So what has Keldon done in that sense? Well, Zion is averaging 20.5 points per game, 12.5 boards, 2.5 assists, and 2.5 steals versus San Antonio. Gets better, guys. Lonzo Ball averages 16 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, and then uh, B.I. is just wrecking them with 28.5 points. I actually think B.I. is going to be – Brandon Ingram is going to be the uh, handful 
for San Antonio. And I think he's the one that they really got to key on. But all in all, I'm expecting another competitive game. You know, with so far this season, that's what these two teams have given us, an exciting game. You just hope the Spurs can just uh, just not let off that uh, gas pedal because we see it time and time again. It's This is such a tale of two halves, literally. The first half of the season, how many times were we applauding this team for never giving up, always rallying in that fourth quarter? Um, case in point, the Lakers, the Clippers in their gym. We saw it time and time again. And then as the season progressed, now, you know, they're the Spurs now. They're that 500 team. To be fair, Russell was averaging over 15 minutes a game during the first half of the season. So he didn't get a whole bunch of DMP CDs. Yeah. Now, it was it, a lot more to be look, excited about early. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you're looking at these uh, two teams and I, yeah, I, I think New Orleans kind of is just, they see the right on the wall. You know, they're, they're, are they tanking? Yeah, they probably are. Uh, the Spurs. I know a lot of people say, we don't know what the Spurs are doing this year. You know, why are they doing this and that? Well, the players, the players, not the coaches, but the players have come out and said that they're gunning for the uh, the postseason, that they want the playoffs. DeMar DeRozan has said it. Rudy Gay has said it. Derek White has said it. So we know what they're going for. So with that in mind, yeah, they're going to go for this win. They're going to try to solidify a place in the uh, play-in tournament. And we at that point now in Spurs history where we're cheering for the play-in tournament, where have we went? How far have we dropped? But <laughs> all in all, I'm expecting just another competitive game. So go Spurs, go. Hopefully get the W. Yeah, I hope <laughs> we get the, the dub tonight. I, that would make me feel a little bit better. But I, I still don't have confidence in this team being able to win two games to get that eighth spot. You're, here, here's the thing. The, the leading scorer versus the Pelicans this year is not DeMar. It's not Keldon. It's Rudy Gay. In two games, he's averaging 22 points versus the Pels. So, um Go, Rudy, go. <laughs> I'd like to change my vote that we're going to lose then if Rudy Gay has been the scoring leader. Oh, my. Okay. You're going to have a vote of no confidence. There you go, Wesley. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there goes uh, Devin Vassell's minutes right there. Yeah, <laughs> Rudy go. <laughs> you know why he, Devin Vassell's not going to play? Because we like the team we have. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> That's the consensus on Spurs Twitter, man. It gets me every time. It makes me laugh. See, as much as I like to needle people, Pop does a better job of needling me with comments like that. <laughs> we like the team we have. <laughs> I need that on a shirt, by the way. I think we need to make one for Pledger. <laughs> get some, or what is it like? Get some nasty, and then we like the team we, we have. We like the team we have. <laughs> okay, we're going to go ahead and switch topics here. We're going to go ahead and talk about. We're just playing other guys right now. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Spurs fans, and and they've been kind of. Turn in on Coach Pop. A lot of Spurs fans, many are, are questioning his lineups. They're questioning his coaching. They're even calling for Coach Pop to be fired. And this happens just about after every loss. You look at Spurs Twitter and... And, and, and even every win. And every win, yes. you know, you have the fans that are just not happy regardless. You know, you go on Facebook, subreddits, whatever you want to do. And you, you see fans just saying, you know, I think it's time for Coach Pop to leave and they want him fired. You know, they want Coach Becky to take over. And, and it's, you know, I don't understand a lot of times, you know, why the, the, the fans are at this juncture. I think it's, it has to do a, a lot with the record and us not winning. You know, that that kind of would make things happen like this where, where people will turn on you. Uh, but I think at this juncture, we should just enjoy what we have right now in coach pop, because when he's gone, who knows if this team is going to get worse. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just saying, you know what? We know he's going to retire sooner or later. Just enjoy the time that he, you got with him on the, on the, on the court. 
that's all I'm saying, you know? So let's go ahead and pitch to Jeff. Jeff, I know you've been one to see this many a times after a yes, Spurs loss. What do you got to say about the Spurs fans wanting Coach Pop gone? Yeah, you, you know, it's interesting because you see Pop, I mean, look, I've been around since day one of Popovich taking over the reins as head coach. And to me, this is not surprising because for the 20 plus year or the 20 years he's been doing this, you know, I've seen this time and time again, over and over again. Um, uh, Tony Parker, Speedy Claxton, uh, Mono Ginobili, Michael Finley, Lonnie Walker recently. And you're seeing it right now happening with Drew Eubanks. The list goes on and on and on. George Hill, George Hill, too. You know, another guy that was relegated to the G League or staple to the bench. You know, this is not really anything new. These kids nowadays are, are you know, they're, they're they're becoming more aware. You know, they're 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 getting more experience and analyzing the game, and they can they're seeing it, and that's where you're seeing a lot of them being very vocal now. But for us old guys, you know, this has just been pop. This has been pop. You know, I've said this on Locked on Spurs. I've said this on with James on his show, Saturday Morning Hangover. People always say, look at Pop's coaching tree. Look at that. you got Budenhoser. you got Snyder. Uh, you know, Will Hardy's getting attention. Becky, left and right. But you were asked, where did Pop come from? What about his tree? Who is his root? Who are his roots? Nelly. Larry Brown, Nell, Larry Brown, and Nelly. Those have been the biggest influences on Pop. And both of those guys... Pretty much taught pop. You never go with young guys. You don't. You go with the horses that got you here. And I don't care if they're ready for the glue farm. You go with them. <laughs> That's what has been really ingrained in pop since he began his coaching career. So none of this is anything new for me. Uh, but there's got to be a time either A, he retires and then the whole thing just changes. Or B, you see little things. If he does stay on another year, then he's going to have to realize that that old way is not working. And you're seeing with the numbers with Vassell. You're, you're seeing Eubanks now. And James brought up a good point on Lockdown Spurs of the day. Uh, Eubanks went through the process, and now here he is. Now, granted, there are circumstances involved. Dang is just banged up. Um, they really don't have big men depth. But you're seeing that development process kind of shine now with Eubanks. You see a cat come across James <laughs> Pledger's uh, screen. Um, but all in all... Um, yeah, the kids just got to realize this has been pop. I mean, yesterday on the Blitz, I was talking uh, with uh, Rob Thompson and, and Pledger about this. This is just pop. Why are why is everybody surprised and acting like he's doing something so new of not playing the young guys? This has been his thing. Now, as far as, you know, little signs of change, I think the most recent sign of change was him announcing to the world that, a, you know, they were going to just go with the uh, young kids yesterday, last year and they were in the bubble. That was huge for him. When was the last time you ever heard Pop say, we're throwing out the scouting report and we're not going for the playoffs? You know, that's far and few between. I don't think I've ever heard him say that. So here we are now, and it looks like he's reverting back to his old his old coaching ways. And that's why you're seeing Vassell Staples to the bench. You're seeing Luca pretty much gone. I mean, case in point, remember when Luca played really well, well at the Austin G League? Popovich went as far as to announce to the world that Luca's going to get minutes. Now, what happened? Went back to the bench because he trusts his veterans. And that's just what it is. And these kids got to understand that. Yeah. Hey, we're joined by Rudy Campos Jr. here from the Sports Dime. He's one half of the Sports Dime. He wanted to pop in real quick and say something. What's up, Rudy? Actually, can y'all hear me right now? 
Yeah, okay. we can hear you, man. Okay, make sure. Hey, I'm just taking a minute. I don't mean to bother the all-star cast here. <laughs> but, you know, because you've got Chelsea, James, Jeff Garcia, the Boomstein, Wesley, and, of course, the man of the hour, Joe. Hey, Joe, congrats on the first 100 episodes of Two Shots. This is to the next 100 and many, many more. I know you couldn't survive without my personality in the beginning, so I'm going to take credit for the first few episodes. But this is to many, many more, man. I'm wishing you the best. Congratulations. I got to get back to family business. I just wanted to hop on and give you a congrats, buddy. Thank you, man. Appreciate that, my friend. Hey, make sure you all listen to the Sports Dime on Sundays. Where can they Where can they hear you guys? Yeah, it's uh, on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we go live like uh, about 9, 9.55 or so. It's 10 to 11 every Sunday. But not only that, this Thursday, we've got the uh, draft coverage that you're actually yeah, helping us out with. Yep. Chelsea will be a part of it. So NFL draft coverage this Thursday. But again, hey, man, congrats on the 100th episode. I'm sure I'll be involved in the next 100 somehow. But you know, <laughs> again, congrats, buddy. I wish all of y'all the best of luck. All right, man. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much. Later, guys. Later. All right, so we were blessed with uh, the the gorgeous face of one ravishing Rudy Campos. <laughs> so we're talking about Coach Pop and how Spurs fans have been really nasty with him and calling for him to retire. And I want to hear from one James Pledger because I, I just oh. love to hear his take. So, James, <laughs> lay it on us. What are you going to tell us about Coach Pop and these fans? Well, apparently Spurs fans have very short memory because even two and three championships in, if they go on a three-game losing streak, we've received calls about fire pop and the game's fast pop by. I mean, this isn't new. It's just they're losing more now, so it's more vocal than it's been. Like, he he go on a three-game losing streak, we get those, and then he rattle off like eight straight, and it'd be quiet for a little bit. So this isn't new, but you you have to wonder how long and you're going to stick with this if you're the Spurs as long as he wants to continue coaching like that's not a doubt in my mind but the longer you stick with this the further you push everything down the road in terms of the rebuild because let's face it that's what this is at this point you don't have veterans there isn't that free agent on the market that's going to completely revolutionize and lead this roster. So you have to look at this in terms of the long term now. And the long term is going to be built through either the draft or free agency, but outside of ancillary pieces to help, like floor spacers, like Lori Markinen or a, an athletic big like John Collins, I don't see the other players in free agency that add that much to help take this team to the next level. So you're either taking a draft pick this year, next year, whatever it is, hoping that he turns into the next guy. But even then, even if he turns into the next guy, if Pop continues to coach this team when is that timetable? Because Pop has shown you his timetable time in and time out throughout his entire career. And we've seen, especially with Devin Vassell this year, despite the fact that he's quote unquote earned the minutes, as you see almost every plus minus box score at the end of games, he's usually a net plus and a big net plus at that when he actually gets minutes. But 
he's decided to leave him as DMPCDs for a lot of the time, or as in the Indiana game, just empty the bench. And he's one of those last few guys in, whether you're up 15 or down 15 at the end of the last couple of minutes of a ball game. Unless multiple people miss games like this previous game, you're just not going to see him very much this year. Pop has set his lineup, I think, and we know what his rotation is. And I don't think he's going to alter that here down the stretch unless something catastrophic happens, unless there's either an injury or they just completely fall out of it. But you wonder what this does in the development of these young players as well. Like, okay, we're this far off. And as we've seen, Lonnie's finally taken on a bigger role. So is Drew Eubanks. Surprise, surprise, they're both three years kind of into this pop process. The only person that has kind of bucked the trend of that is Keldon Johnson and getting minutes before his third year and consistently. And you would hope that he's able to flex and, and grow, but he's shown you time in and time out that he won't. So what will you do at that point in terms of seeing where this thing goes? And to me, where this thing goes is this is a middling team until either the next head coach in comes in or the next superstar comes in. I'm glad you brought up about the development things. Just to give you an idea how much these kids coming out of college are aware if you get drafted by the Spurs, that is your process. Um, for the Kelton and the Sominix draft, I was there for that. So you got a bunch of kids that, that were drafted ahead of them. And they were saying, oh, I can't wait to play with the Chicago Bulls. I can't wait to play for the Knicks. I can't wait to play for the Pistons. You know, it's going to be great to put on that uniform. When I spoke to Sominix and Kelton Johnson off to the side, right when they got their draft day cap, this is what they told me. Yeah, I can't wait for that process. I know that process is going to be so good. I'm fully aware of it. That's how much these kids are now more sophisticated as far as knowing what you're really getting into in San Antonio. And you got to wonder if that trend needs to stop happening as the season, as this franchise moves forward in this next chapter. Yeah. So, RJ. You also wonder if that process, because they obviously target guys that know the process and are okay with that process, which is why maybe they didn't take a Tyrese Halliburton when he was available, despite what you see what he's doing in Sacramento right now. Uh, you wonder how much that limits the way they draft because they only want to bring in people that they know are going to be okay with the way that they do things and bringing along the young guys. Yeah, so let's go ahead and pitch to you, RJ. You heard what you know both Jeff and uh, Pledger had to say. What do you think about all these fans bad-mouthing Coach Pop and wanting him gone? Well, I will say that um, – it's interesting because after all those years of success and championships, I'm uh, I'm glad to see that the fans are not apathetic, <laughs> and they really uh, they really you know wear their uh, their emotions on their sleeve, and they're very outspoken as well. They're so, passionate. Um, they're passionate. They are very passionate, to say the least. Yes, after every win, after every loss, it's always an adventure on Twitter just to get a uh, a feel of what the fans are saying and just to kind of see the back and forth. So. Um, so I can appreciate that. Um, that all being said, like we've been saying, I, I think that the bottom line right now is that this is a, a 500 team. And I, that's why I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens this summer. Obviously, Coach Pop's going to be uh, coaching the, the Olympic team. But it's not only that. I think we're going to get an indication, really, of 
of what this team will look like for the next few years, whether if DeMar sticks around, if he decides to resign, or if the Spurs can bring in a guy who's going to get them at least into uh, maybe the top four in the West, as in John Collins, Laurie Markinen, those names, of course, are being mentioned. Um, so I think that's going to be a ind- big indication as to where we go in the next few years. Because, look, I think Pop, I, you know, I, I, I want to believe that he will be smart enough to basically say, like, hey, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to leave this team in a good standing. But I, I don't want to get it to the point where they're a 20-win team again and then they're just like, well, we need to get rid of him because we know he is not, or the Spurs organization is not going to force him out. It's going to be totally his call. So I think this summer is going to really be a big indication as to where we are. And look, I hate to bring this up, but I think that I think they had this plan fully in place when Kawhi Leonard was there, and Kawhi blew the whole thing up. I mean, Kawhi would have been yeah. sort of that perfect bridge to let Pop go about his way. And so Kawhi blew that up. I think Pop felt like he had to sort of rebuild this thing on the fly. And maybe he doesn't want to leave it as a middling team right now. So it, this will be a very interesting summer. Yeah. So RJ, do you think that Pop is biding his time to get through the Olympics and finish that kind of uh, run because he knew – that the Olympics were kind of what he was gearing for? Or do you think that he's reinvigorated by coaching these younger guys and wants to continue on past the Olympics even more? Yeah. So there's times when I honestly say to myself, I was like, what is he doing? Like, because especially in those nights when they're just getting blown out and you could tell like they're just not in games. I was like, there's no way he can be enjoying this (laughs) at all. But But yeah, early on this season, I was like, well, maybe he really does like sort of teaching the game and just being around the game. Um, I do think that the Olympics has been a big milestone for him. And I would say he'd be a lot closer to saying to himself, I'm ready to go after the Olympics. So, yeah, I definitely think that that's definitely been kind of a, a key moment for him in his coaching career. Okay, so let's go ahead and go with you. Let's go ahead and pitch to Chelsea here. Chelsea. What do you have to say to the fans that have been really mean to Coach Pop and wanting him yeah. gone? Well, I'm not surprised because I feel like <laughs> even growing up as a Spurs fan in San Antonio, you have those Spurs fans that were saying, we need to fire Coach Pop. I mean, this has been happening for my past 30 years of life. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we talk about the development, and I was thinking that's what's so different about the Spurs organization compared to a lot of other organizations in the NBA is that they focus on building up from the G League, moving on to the big leagues, you know, the NBA. And you, I don't think a lot of other organizations are at that same strategy level that, that the Spurs are, right? And so I feel as if Spurs fans see these other big teams with the Monstars and the big time uh, name coach, and they want to be just like that. But I mean, it's obvious the Spurs are not there. It's yes, we have a veteran coach. We have Co- Coach Popovich. I mean, everybody knows him, but is he necessarily coaching a team right now that's going to win? No, not this year. Probably not next year. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily biding his time for Olympics. I think he's fully aware of where the Spurs are at right now. He he knows. He knows what's going on. He has a plan in his mind. He just doesn't tell anybody. He just doesn't. Maybe the coaches would be Becky and them. They kind of know, okay, given a couple years, 
he'll eventually move out. Hopefully by then they'll have more guys, these younger guys. They'll have been there for a little bit longer. Hopefully they'll get a superstar or somebody that can bring that level of where we used to remember the Spurs with the big three. But it's just it's, it's not going to be now, and it's not going to be next year. Um, I think Coach, Coach Pop is kind of just hanging on, trying to build that um, I don't think it's necessarily time for him to retire or be fired, which I don't think will happen anyway. But I think it's going to be a couple years before we see Pop actually leave. And it'll definitely be on its own terms. Yeah. So let's Brian go. Wright and Brian Wright is on the, uh, the clock this summer. I, I truly believe that he is on the clock. He has how much money to play with? Going to have a decent draft pick, you know, not, maybe not top 10, but maybe just right outside of the top 10. And um, if all the veterans do leave and not resign Patty, Rudy, Damar, et cetera, et cetera, then this team just got a lot younger because they're going to add a young kid out of the draft. The, the G League will be back probably in some form. That kid is probably going to be stuck there. First fans are going to just do the whole thing all over again. So what you're seeing right now this year is going to repeat itself next year. Why isn't the player that we got? He's a number 13 pick in the draft. Why is he in Austin? Gets gets recalled. Everybody's going to go crazy. Oh, look, they recalled him. Then he stapled to the bench. Here's what you're going to see. Why is he on the bench? Why is he on the bench? He gets resent back to Austin. Why is he over there again? Basically, you're going to see almost a carbon copy of this season next year if the Spurs, Brian Wright, don't swing for the fences. And, yes, I do say flip some of these kids if they have a chance to bring in a possible potential top 10 player in next season. Here's the thing, too, because of the money that they that they're going to have in free agency, we all know what better way to use it than to spend it on veterans, because at least we'll get to see them play with the young guys. We're not going to see them. And we know that as long as Greg Popovich is in some way, shape or form in charge of this team, the process is in place for how they develop players. And that process isn't going to change. And I would like to see it change just because I believe that, you know, when certain rookies and I will use Devin Vassell in this in this ilk, Kawhi Leonard was of this ilk, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker were of this ilk. When they show you that they belong, they should earn their minutes at that point. And that's. Whether there's a veteran in front of him or not, at some point, much like you did with Steven Jackson, you have to go, look, your spot in the rotation is done. This dude's outplaying you. And Pop seems to have this attachment to his veterans to where he doesn't want to do that right now with young guys. And I, I don't understand why, because outside of Patty, the veterans on, on this team aren't the veterans that date back to the glory years. So they're, they're just veterans because they're veterans at this point, whether it's Rudy Gay or well, Marcus Aldridge at, when he was here or whoever. They just they seem to be impeding the growth instead of helping to expedite the growth of the young guys right now. What do you all think? Yeah, well, let's, let's go ahead and get a, a reaction here from, from you, Ben. What do you think? We can't hear you, Ben. We lost you, Ben. We don't have no audio from you, my friend. We'll go ahead and get you, Wesley. Go ahead and uh, get. let's get your take. Yeah, so 
I feel like there's a couple of things here um, from everybody that I that I really agree with. First of all, you're a victim of your own circumstance and of, of your own success. And the Spurs franchise has been so successful for so many years that um, you know Spurs fans get to be very fickle about um, the team. And I also think part of that becomes the fact that San Antonio only has one major sports franchise, and because of that, the impatience is even bigger. You know, because of the the situation. So you know, much like you know what Jeff and uh, RJ and Pledger and Chelsea have all said, there's becomes a time when it's natural to really want to to be um, in something different. My hesitation to that, and you have to take a broader spectrum to that and a bigger patience to that is what out there is better? What, what coach out there would you get right now? Who's better than Popovich? You know, there might be a few young names, splashy names. And quite frankly, you might say guys that came from his tree, Hey, come back and, and coach for the Spurs. Hey, Becky's a great person. She's ready to take over, you know, but the fact of the matter is Greg Popovich is one of the top two or three coaches of all time. And, you know, winners to, to steal a, to steal something from Mike Taylor, you know, winners get to do what they want. You know, I, I think that when you've done what he's done, you know, it's easy for us to, to want to play armchair quarterback as fans and armchair GM as fans. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, barring anything else, other franchises have gone through significant losing periods. Even the vaunted Lakers, even the Celtics who went through, you know, heck, you know, they went through a, a hellacious period of time after the, their big three uh, aged too, too far and they took them on for too long. You know, the Lakers, even in the Kobe Bryant era, had some really t- uh, terrible, tough times in there uh, in between. And so what we saw was unprecedented. I think Spurs fans don't always want to remember that. 22 years of straight playoff appearances, you know, 20 years of 50 wins. That will not be matched again for for a long time because of the super, it's a super team creation status that happens and people wanting to blow things up so quickly. And I think that also is why the third reason why you see the Spurs fans get really upset is that you see how free agents tend to want to flock to one place or to another place and create the super team environment. But much like we talked about in the first segment of this, there's not but just a handful of true upper elite superstars in this league right now. And so what you really have to ask yourself is when you're spending your money, do you want to go after something that seems pretty splashy at the time? Or do you want to go after something that maybe has a chance to develop to be something bigger? That's where most Spurs fans don't want to be. Me, personally, as a Spurs fan, as a guy who's not a part of the media, as a, a band director who loves to talk sports, what I can tell you is I'm on both sides of that fence. Do I want to see them win? Of course. But I also understand the fact that you can't do things to your franchise that would damage it for the upcoming decades to come. And even with this coming summer, to Jeff's point, they've got 50 mil if they, of all those players decide that they're going to, you know, not resign and whatnot, they have 50 mil to spend, but on whom the question becomes Vucevic when he left and and he became, uh, you know, Chicago's prized possession. He was a guy that really probably could have turned your franchise in a different direction, but there's not a franchise cornerstone player in this upcoming free agent period. So your best option is you keep these young guys going, you add somebody going forward, Pop, you hope that his mindset would change, but he's set in his ways. He is who he is at this yeah. point. Nobody's going to change that. And the fact of the matter is, yeah, I agree with you, Joe. I think we have to appreciate what he's done. I think we have to hope and pray for for the continuance of this young team to, to gel together and that they want to stay in place and not go jump ship when they become great. Um, and I, I think that you just, you know, this is kind of a, a spurt that we're not used to. We, we have to just weather it uh, and continue to, to trust that the, the people around are, are going to do the right things. 
Yeah. And here's the thing too, you got to keep in mind, uh, moving forward with this franchise, you're seeing the, the, what the NBA is now, you, the super team, you know, we're going to go to Brooklyn, New York, we're going to go to Los Angeles, you know, possibly New York could be the next destination now with the way they're playing and the amount of money they have. Where does San Antonio fit in all that? Do they, can they draw a star free agent? The last one was LaMarcus Aldridge. Been a minute since the Spurs have had that. The only Aldridge. one. Thank you. So you got to factor in city because these these players nowadays look at that now. What is it about now? Their brand, their brand. Pop didn't have to deal with that with the big three. Manu wasn't about that. Tony, well, maybe Tony was, but um, TD definitely wasn't. And they brought in a bunch of veterans that were already past that moment in their youth. Now these young guys are. Look at Lonnie. How many times do you see him debut another T-shirt? with his name and his face splashed everywhere. Uh, Keldon probably, you know, the same thing too. You know, he's out there in the bounce community, you know, getting Murray's his name out there. Kicks. Yeah. Murray's new balance kit. Can you get that type of uh, exposure in San Antonio or you get it in LA? Do you get it in New York? Then there's this, what is the player personnel uh, going to attract? Can you say, if, uh, let's just say there's big free agent a, just making this up, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis is going to be a free agent this summer. Does he want to go play with Derek White and Keldon Johnson versus, hmm, let's see here, James Harden and I'm making this up, Russell Westbrook that are teaming up in uh, in Brooklyn, New York. There's got to, you got to factor that in too. So there's going to be some lean years ahead for this franchise. I really believe that. Yeah, I think we're starting to see the, you know, see that going on right now. And that's why a lot of Spurs fans are calling for Coach Pop. What do you got to say about that, Ben? It's Okay, a lot. First of all, a lot of that was taken out of context. You, that was, I mean, we just grabbed players and you, we we didn't take into account cap salary salary cap context, whatever. Point is, Spurs fans need to relax. Okay, you're not the Knicks, you're not the Kings, <laughs> you're not the Clippers. Even in their good Lob City days, they never made a conference final. Okay. The, the Houston Rockets just had the longest streak in the in the NBA, which was eight seasons, by the way. They just had that broken because the Spurs knocked them out. All right. So Spurs fans have to understand and they have they have to understand history. They have to understand context. Yeah. Brian Wright has a lot of decisions to make this offseason. Like we've been saying, there's a ton of money to throw at people. And like Wesley mentioned, this free agency class now kind of sucks, to be honest. <laughs> right? yeah, there does. are a lot of guys who were taken off the board because they signed extensions. There were going to be a lot better free agents available this summer. They're not there. So what do you think the Spurs are going to do? They're going to throw a little bit of money at some veteran guys for a year and say, hopefully you have them keep their flexibility in the next summer when there's going to be better free agents available and you try to attract someone to San Antonio. And the craziest part to me is that you have all these players who are supposedly so very money savvy and brand savvy going to place, going to live in places like San Francisco, New York, where not only are the taxes insanely high to live, but your salary, you know, what you make on your salary is heavily taxed there as well. You don't have those same restrictions in Texas all of Texas. And, you know, of course that means Houston and Dallas can make similar offers in that regard. You know, they don't have the salary cap to do that this off season, but you know, I, it's amazing to me how few players consider that when they are making these decisions, but 
the, the Spurs have to do well in the draft. They, they can't screw it up. They don't get to say, ah, well, you know what? We got to pick in the 20s. It probably doesn't really matter who we take because we're going to throw them in the G League for three years. At some point, you're going to have to pick a guy in the lottery who is going to be able to either play immediately or after one year. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, and I think the front office and Coach Pop have to realize that as well. But the fans also have to go back and look at 20-plus years of history saying, the way the Spurs have done it has been pretty successful. It's they're you know, they're not a, a, a sad sack franchise like the Knicks have been for a long time. Do you know how many Knicks fans are ecstatic right now that they're even just going to make the playoffs? The Spurs fans would never act like that. Granted, they're not the same as New York city people. So it's, you know, that's going to be totally different too, but you know, there are expectations that, Spurs fans have. And that's great. That's what you want to see out of a fan base because it means they care. You know, you don't get that out of Knicks fans and Clippers fans and Kings fans. I mean, if I'm a Kings fan at this point, I am completely apathetic. I don't know if I even have an NBA team, you know, since since they got jobbed in 2002, things have never been the same. So, you know, I just think a lot of Spurs fans have to take things with a you have to you have to take some things with a grain of salt and some things you have to consider your historical context within the NBA community. I mean, this is a team that wasn't one of the original teams in the NBA, and they still have what they're still a top two or three franchise when it comes to total wins. And they've only been in the league since what 76? Yep. I mean, yeah. They're clearly doing something right. Hey Ben, let me but, let me say this to you too. And, and this is Jeff also. I think that what's hurt the Spurs psyche, especially with, with in terms of free agents, something you just hit on Ben a minute ago, is the fact that here's Kawhi Leonard for all the things. Yeah, he was angry. Yeah, he was hiding from the world and all this stuff. But the guy had the p- potential of a Supermax deal. And instead of not just leaving, he went, you know, they traded him to Canada, who has the worst, you know, uh, situation in terms of tax. And then he went to California, who also has the worst tax situation. So to your point, it's almost like the, you know, the athletes, you know, they could make 220 mil and keep a vast majority of it and they'd rather not do it. And so I, you know, that really does hurt a a place like San Antonio, where, you know, that normally would be a big draw. But right now it doesn't seem to be something that they all really care about too much. You have to remember, too, that part of the reason they're choosing those places is because A, they can make up whatever they're losing in taxes and sponsorships through yep. the big markets there. And B, it's lifestyle. Toronto, New York, Miami, LA, uh, Golden State, those all have a different nightlife and lifestyle than yep, San Antonio, absolutely. Texas. Yep. And those I, guys are young millionaires in their early 20s that are mm-hmm. looking to have a good time. As somebody who splits time between New York City and San Antonio, I can tell you it is night and day. And I enjoy the big city life. I love it. Even at my age, I still love the big city life. It is just incredible and it's amazing. And I get why these young kids want to live that life. And look, I think that's where the Spurs are likely going to have to try to acquire big talent by flipping these guys. Because if these big name guys are free agents – you know, they'll consider San Antonio. They'll they'll give him a talk, but ultimately, it's look look how long it took for just Marcus Aldridge, the lone free big name free agent, the only big name free agent to ever come to San Antonio, 
And how long have been this? And how and how yeah? And how long the Spurs have been in existence? I think what I think seventy three. I think that's when they became an NBA franchise. Um, Just one, just one. So keep that in mind. Yeah, Yeah. and actually, guys, I think that's a great point because uh, I and this is something I wanted to circle around. Something Jeff said about flipping a guy. Um, You know, I've been seeing a lot over the past couple of uh, weeks or days that, uh, you know, maybe maybe Derek White should be this team's point guard. I mean, you know, what is the what's exactly the kind of the the role of the point guards here moving forward? We know that both Derek and DeJounte are signed to um, at least like three, four year deals. So would DeJounte maybe be a guy who's on a good deal that the Spurs can flip in the future, bring back a top 15 type top 20 sort of player because it seems kind of clear that they're not going to be able to do it through free agency. And unless Keldon kind of hits this extra level or Derek White maybe even hits a, an all-star type level, I don't know if they're ever going to be back in that sort of uh, in the top right. of the West without one of those fi- top 15, 20 guys. Right. And RJ, just to back you up here, how do they get those big name guys that brought them five uh, titles? Draft. Getting, oh yeah, getting that yeah. lottery, getting the number yeah. one draft pick, Tim Duncan, number one draft pick. Team, yeah, and you supplement the rest of your team, and what it's missing, like they've just right now got a whole bunch of guys that all do the same thing. They're mid-range slashers, mm-hmm. get to the bucket. They don't have any floor spacers on this team. So in the off season, you go after floor spacers that help complement what right. you already have on this team that opens up the offense. And maybe in that case, you don't need a superstar because much like the Utah Jazz, They've got probably one superstar in Donovan Mitchell and a bunch of really good guys that are all good at what they do. Rudy Gobert is a pick and roller that can defend the heck out of the paint. You've got that in Yaka Pirtle. Now you need to surround the guys that you have that do different things like slash and get to the bucket, let a DeMar walk, which opens up the possibility of bringing in a floor spacer, which allows Keldon to slash better and maybe get more involved now that DeMar's not commanding the volume of ball domination along with the same two types of players also in the starting lineup with them, like Derek White and DeJounte Murray. Now maybe they work better together if there's only two ball dominants in the starting lineup instead of three. The ball moves a little bit better, and all of a sudden the offense opens up more. So I think it's going to be very important, not the not – the, talent level of player, but more so the type of role that they fill in evening out what this team lacks. And look what happened the last time they got bold for the Spurs standards. They traded away fan favorite George Hill to move up in the draft, or I'm sorry, just to get Kawhi Leonard. Look what it took for that to happen. And what did Kawhi happen? Continued that powerhouse vibe in San Antonio, got another title until all things uh, kind of just fell out, fell apart. My point is, is that it took a bold move for the Spurs to maintain um, their dominance, if you will, or their, their, their championship pedigree by making that move. And I think if that doesn't teach you what this team needs to do right now, then I don't know what will. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but what attracts all of these players, draft, lottery picks, anything to coming here, they always say, Coach Pop. I mean, it's it's not, oh, San Antonio is yeah. a great city. Like y'all were saying, San Antonio doesn't have that attractive ID that other big cities do. So what are they going to come here? Circling back around on Coach Pop. They're going to come here yeah. to want to learn from him. But how much yeah, longer but I, are I think, yeah, exactly. that card, Chelsea? You got, you, you got that card and plus two. 
you still have something um, like do this, do these big names, these big free agents want to come and work Stay and win. Yeah. Do they actually yeah. want to stay here? What's going to keep them here? Yeah. And yeah. how long can we actually play that card? Because we've been talking for the last couple seasons about how long, how much longer is pop going to play? And you got to wonder any free agents you're bringing in pop. They, if pops the draw, they need to know that he's there for the life of whatever contract that they end up signing for. And here's a couple of things. Historically, if that was really true about pop being a draw, well, then when pop had guys like the big three, then how come we haven't get any more free agents? If pop is such a big draw and that was prime pop and with prime TD and Tony and Manu, I didn't see any free agents come because they said, I want to play with pop. I didn't even when they had the big three, they still didn't come. And at that time, when LaMarcus Aldridge was a free agent, you have to look historically what happened at that time. The, Laker, the Lakers blew it in their pitch. At least that's the report. The Spurs were the more viable, the more attractive option because you still had Pop and you still had the big three, something. And you had a guy named Kawhi Leonard. So, yeah, I, even when Pop was doing his thing and bringing titles and having all those guys, it's his name wasn't still enough to bring in big name free agents. The Spurs have always been used at that dare. Like, I dare you to not resign or I'm going to go to San Antonio. You know, <laughs> it never happened. So I, I, I still don't think that even with Pop being the lone attractive pe- person right now here in San Antonio is enough. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start going ahead and bringing the show to an end because we had other topics slated out, but we are going long now. We're over an hour. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to play a quick video clip that my good friend Chris Duell uh, had recorded for me earlier in the week. And it made me laugh when I saw it because I just love his infectious energy. So to end the show, I'm going to go ahead and play this. A quick video for us and then we'll come back and end the show and let go around the horn let you guys let everybody know where they can follow you on on social media so without further ado i'm going to go ahead and play the video clip right now hey chris duel here with a shout out to joe garcia and the two shots podcast actually they're one and the same joe garcia two shots podcast two shots podcast joe garcia joe got me these cool spurs glasses 100th episode, wow, Uh, just a tremendous podcast, tremendous group of people that Joe brings together, just great, great Spurs information, a great passion for the Spurs, great content, Uh, it's just fantastic, congratulations Joe, congratulations Two Shots Podcast, congratulations everybody who's ever been associated with the Two Shots Podcast, I'm a big fan. And uh, so is Patty Mills. I'm, I'm sure Patty watches and listens all the time. Go Spurs, go! In Pop We Trust, Cowboys. <laughs> That's Chris for you, man. I love Chris's energy, dude. He's always high energy. You know, I just want to say thank you to to Chris Duell. Thank you to everybody who supported Two Shots from the very beginning. You know, big shout out to, to everyone who's been here, uh, you know, just like, Jeff Garcia, you know, I've had Benjamin here for quite some time. Wesley's been here. You know, Pledger's been good enough to grace us with his presence. Same thing with uh, RJ. You know, I really appreciate every single one of you. You've impacted, you know, the show in your own unique way. And it's just a privilege to be able to share the mic with all you guys and just talk sports and have fun with it. You know, (laughs) I'm, I'm a big fan of every single one of you guys. So couldn't be more thankful to be surrounded by great individuals who go ahead and help me uh, become a better person. And not only that, but just, you know, the broadcasting world thing that we were all living in together, 
it's great to have a good group of people behind you. So thank you guys so much, you know. And with that said, let's go ahead and go around the horn here in closing. And where can they follow you on social media, Pledger? Oh, me? Uh, I, I, I am Pledger on both Insta and uh, Twitter. Uh, we're usually getting things ready for the show all the time. I've produced the Blitz weekdays, 4 to 7, with Jason Minix and Rob Thompson. And I have my own show, of course, the Saturday morning hangover every Saturday morning from 9 to 11. So let's have fun. There you go. So let's have fun and make sure you do go follow Pledger and check out, you know, the shows that he he does produce and he's a part of. And, of course, the Saturday Morning Hangover, which Jeff is also a frequent visitor there at that show as well. Yeah, I get those texts from James at the last second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the last second. Or, or, yes, or, or, yeah, or if I don't re- realize like he's texted me, I get these DMs. Have you checked your? Have you checked your, checked your text? You check your. Te- oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, James. Yes, I'm. I'm Which going is on. Funny yes, funny because yes. you are more involved. Like it's easier to get you through your DM than it is via text or phone call. It is exactly. Yeah, I think. I think. I think Joe and uh, Pleasure know exactly that. Yeah, yeah. that's the, probably the best way. <laughs> but first of all, first of all, Joe, congratulations on 100. Uh, here's to many more. Thank you for being uh, well, letting me be a part of your uh, development, your growth. So here's to 100 more and congratulations, Joe. Uh, for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zona and make sure to subscribe to Locked On Spurs. Where pleasure and you know Joe are frequent guests there. Uh, anywhere you find your uh, podcast, whether it be Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, I feel like I'm doing my wrap up for Locked On Spurs right now. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and with that, um, yeah, I'd uh, love to talk some Spurs. We've got some good stuff going on at News Force San Antonio at the Spurs Zone, some good articles. If it's out there, I'll find it and I'll give it to you. Thanks, Joe, for having me on. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Jeff, and thank you. RJ, where can they follow you on social media? Uh, yeah, well, before I get to that, I just want to say, Joe, again, thank you for having me on here. I'm, it's too bad we didn't get to our Marvel talk, man. I was going to say that this show oh, has officially it hit the gone age, off the um, wheels. It yeah, gone this, off show the wheels. Has, uh, this show has officially hit the age of uh, Bucky Barnes and uh, Steve Rogers <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so, um, so no, I really appreciate you uh, having me on anytime. Uh, you're awesome, dude. And so uh, continued success. Uh, with all this. So uh, for anyone listening, if uh, you just want to follow me, I'm pretty active on Twitter. It's uh, at KSAT RJ, K-S-A-T-R-J, all one word. And, uh, you know, we just providing a lot of content, Spurs stuff on uh, KSAT.com. I also do some live stuff uh, for a lot of the of our morning shows. So if you happen to catch us live on uh, KSAT 12 on our morning shows, I'm right there and uh, also on our website. So uh Glad to be with everyone here. Um, this is the first time we've like all been able to, or at least that I've been inter- able to interact with all you guys. So it's been a, it's been a pleasure. And uh, congrats again, Joe. Thank you, RJ, so much. And uh, Wesley, where can they follow you on social media? Well, first of all, I have to give a shout out to uh, Pledger's cat. Has, has stolen the show today. Yeah, uh, Tony, Tony for, Stark is going nuts today. <laughs> <laughs> See, it was part of that thing, right? Bring back Tony Stark. There it is. Yeah. So um, at Wesley Perk, uh, again, I just want to, is, is where I'm at on Twitter, but uh, I just want to echo the sentiment, uh, Joe. Uh, one of the things I know he'll deflect, you know, he, he's not a, he's not about himself. He's very unselfish. And I, I think that just even giving myself, you know, who literally – he took a chance on a guy who who does does ban things for for a living to to come and talk sports with him on a on a regular basis, and I, I I've always really appreciated that. 
about Joe that, you know, he helps young podcasters out there to get their um, shows going and help them in any way possible. And um, so the two shots podcast, I think is more than just that show. It's a brand of Joe being able to go out in the community and help others. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, I just cannot say enough about that and congrats and here's to many, many more and uh, uh, proud to always uh, be able to talk sports with you. No, thank you, my friend. Appreciate that. And Ben, where can they follow you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Boomstein. And of course, writing stuff for Project Spurs. And Joe, I just want to say you're a decent man in an indecent time. And I appreciate that. <laughs> so eloquent, um, eloquently spoken, Ben. <laughs> I steal many quotes. I have no shame. <laughs> thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. And Chelsea, where can they follow you on social media? Yeah, so Twitter uh, is Chelsea Torres TV. Um, I'm also very active on Instagram. Yes, I'm Chelsea. And, you know, I'm not immersed in media as I was just a few months ago. And Joe, I'm really grateful for you to even invite me on all these episodes. It's just really cool. And I love part of it. I love being able to talk to y'all and, you know, just shoot the shit. Am I yeah. But, okay. <laughs> but, uh, 100 episodes. Congratulations. Here, here to Joe. Thank you. Wow. Chelsea broke the, the curse word uh, bubble right now. So they're just goes to show all of y'all. She paused to be like, can I? And then just does it anyway. Before yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm just going to say what I want anyway. <laughs> yeah. I like that. And you can curse on this show, by the way, if you want to, you know. So if if RJ wants to drop some f bombs next time, hey man, it's, it's all game, dude. <laughs> I'm bringing it, dude. Next time, it's about to get crazy up in here. I was just waiting for that long pause of silence for somebody to just pop in, like Will Ferrell in old school, and just rattle off a whole bunch of cuss words. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been me. I should have done that right for the hundredth episode. Uh, but you know, I appreciate everybody. You know, thank you again for coming on and doing the one hundredth episode of the two shots podcast. So we're going to go ahead and end the show on that note. And if you want to go ahead and follow me, look me up at two shots podcast, all spelled out T W O two shots podcast, most active on Twitter. So with that said, as we say, every time when we end the show, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind. We're out. Peace. Peace.